Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM. Today is Friday, January 29th, 2021. My name is Mike Wynn. I am both one of the co-hosts or co-producers of this weekly radio program and the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield. I am joined in studio this morning by Dr. Alan Kohlberg, chair of the Pittsfield Board of Health and medical advisor to the city's COVID task force, and Lieutenant Gary Traversa, commander of the COPS Bureau. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Chief. It's cold. Real cold. Yeah. <laughs> I know what we're doing this weekend. Yeah, this, this, is, <laughs> this is too cold to enjoy. Um, so, again, welcome back. Thanks for joining us this morning. If you're listening in live on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, or watching as we're simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, uh, if you're listening to this and it's pre-recorded, uh, either in the podcast format on any of your typical podcast platforms, or if you find the video archive on PCTV's website, it, we appreciate you joining us. A couple quick little news blurbs on um, an article from this morning's Berkshire Eagle, uh, page B1. Three names as finalists for role in the Dalton police chief search. Uh, I will share that I hosted a virtual chief's meeting earlier this week. It was the first time in my tenure as the president of the Berkshire Law Enforcement Council that I had three new members in the room for a meeting. Um, Chief Storty in Great Barrington, Chief Kelly in, in Adams, and uh, Acting Interim Chief Zemba in Williamstown. And we expect to have a fourth new chief in the room, hopefully by the second week of February, as the three finalists in Dalton go through the uh, select board interview process. Um, one of them is an internal candidate, Sergeant Deanna Strout. I've known Deanna since uh, before her full-time law enforcement career. So we wish her luck, and we'll come back on that. Our and classmate. The, our classmate. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to I don't want to embarrass her. So she was our classmate in the master's program. Yep. And then she was she was a student in the full-time academy for my first class as a staff instructor right after we finished the master's. So that was interesting, right? Have my friend report to the academy for day 1 on the first day when I'm a brand new sergeant and staff instructor. Let's just say Good there times. Was, let's just say there was some drama <laughs> and she hasn't forgotten it yet. Uh, in the second story, I just want to touch on briefly because it, it segues directly into the public health report. In another article from this morning's Berkshire Eagle, uh, A1, check it out. Berkshire County leads in the vaccine rollout. We are um, leading the pace per capita for vaccinations in arms of residents. And we've talked about that for the last several weeks on the program. That is entirely because of the distribution system that was set up by our public health uh, experts and public health managers and our partners in the Berkshire County Public Health Alliance who piggybacked on the infrastructure we've been using for the entire year to put three large-scale vaccination sites at three remote locations, and the partnership with the Berkshire, uh, Berkshire Health Systems, who are receiving the doses and allowing them to be distrib distributed quickly and efficiently so that um, we, can, we can continue this process. And as long as Berkshire County can get the doses, we have a system in place to get them to you. So read that article. Uh, if you're in the eligible phases, be diligent. Keep trying to get set up. If you have questions, call the vaccine hotline. And with that, Dr. Kohlberg, welcome back. Thanks for joining us this morning. Good to see you. Good morning, uh, Chief. Good morning, Lieutenant. 
Morning. So I um, have a couple of things to talk about. And as the chief uh, started talking about, uh, our vaccine rollout is underway. Uh, we have basically gone through phase one of vaccine administration, which involved basically healthcare providers, and that went beautifully out at uh, BCC. It's an ideal location, uh, easy to get in, easy to get out, and we've got plenty of room in there. So that really worked out uh, very well. And uh, as far as going forward, which is a question that's on many people's minds. Starting next week, we're going to be immunizing people who are 75 and older. And uh, the demand has been, of course, overwhelming. And, uh, un but unfortunately, the uh, availability of spots has not, uh, or the availability of vaccine, uh, uh, and therefore appointments has not been able to keep up with demand, but we hope to be getting um, at least a couple of thousand more doses next week. The, the issue with keeping up with the demand is related to the fact that we get the, uh, the vaccine in portions from the state and how, how we, we have to demonstrate that we've used what we've gotten before we can get more. So it comes in, in batches. It's not like we can order 100,000 doses all at once and, and then we're good to go. We, have, we get them in, in uh, batches of thousands, which is a lot, but not a lot when it comes to when, it, when you're talking about how many people uh, need vaccine. So I urge everybody to have patience with the vaccine rollout the website that you can go to to look for uh, availability of spots out at BCC or any of the places in the county is maimmunizations.org. That's M-A-I-M-M-U-N-I-Z-A-T-I-O-N-S.org. And when you get there, you'll be able to scroll down and look for Berkshire Community College or St. Elizabeth's in North Adams or uh, the W.E.B. Du Bois um, Middle School down in Great Barrington where uh, vaccines are being administered and look for availability. Uh, I went on the website this morning before I came here, and unfortunately I didn't see any uh, availability through February 11th, which is, would, would be our fourth 75 and over clinic. So um, please have patience. Uh, we will be getting more vaccine. There will be more availability of, of uh, appointments coming up. But again, patience is a virtue here. So um, that said, um, as the chief uh, alluded to, our numbers are improving in Berkshire County uh, pretty impressively. Uh, but we still are uh, somewhere in the uh, somewhere uh, just below a five percent positivity rate, and uh, uh, about 43 or 44 cases per hundred thousand, which still puts us in a moderately high uh, rate of disease uh, incidence in our county. Uh, we are no longer in the, the good news is that we're no longer in the red territory. We're now in the yellow territory, which is better, and we hope to get to the green as long as we are continuing to uh, abide by the public health measures that enable that to happen. Uh, so keep on wearing masks and social distancing and avoid gatherings and stay home when you're ill, or even better yet, if you're ill, get tested. 
and that's the way we're going to be. That's the way we're going to beat this thing. Uh, we we uh, the, we in public health urge you to be remain vigilant about this illness. It's not. It has. It is has not gone away. Not by a long shot, but um, we're getting there step by step. We're, we are hoping that there will be some progress towards general school reopening. As you may have read this, uh, this morning, the uh, uh, article that the chief alluded to about uh, coronavirus is that uh, there will be opening in Pittsfield starting next week for uh, CTE students, which is uh, technical, vocational, and then beyond the week beyond that, it would be students who are substantially in su substantially separate special ed uh, rooms. As far as the general school population returning to hybrid education, that is still a matter that's under negotiation. And uh, my understanding is that we haven't re reached the threshold that's satisfactory to all parties involved. But I do want to quote one thing that I saw in Amanda Burke's article in The Eagle this morning at the end of her article about the uh, school situation. Uh, she quoted uh, Dr. Bill Cameron of the school committee who said, quote, we are not doing our duty to the students for whom the school system exists if we continue to keep students out of school when there is no transmission of the virus on record anywhere in a public school in Berkshire County since the start of this pandemic, Cameron said, unquote. And basically what he's saying is that uh, schools are pretty safe as 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 far as uh, as far as the safety to the students and teachers in the school setting it's good uh, the, uh, the, the the what happens with the schools is that the higher the incidence in the community the more likely it is that students can bring disease into the school uh, but transmission within schools and this has been shown to be true in research that is out of Wisconsin and North Carolina where they have experienced uh, very large numbers. Uh, despite the uh, uh, widespread community transmission in those states, the schools themselves are relatively safe havens. So we're hoping that for many reasons uh, uh, that would benefit students, uh, uh, not only educational but the emotional uh, development and um, uh, the uh, to help curb the, the the problem that we're seeing in terms of um, anxiety and depression in students uh, we're hoping that the schools are able to reopen uh, relatively soon at least to hybrid and then hopefully to full-time although I think that might be a, a bridge too far at this point to expect that but at least to hybrid <laughs> Pardon me. Um, and lastly, um, what's coming up next weekend? That's the Super Bowl. And there is understandably a lot of interest in the Super Bowl with Tom Brady being in it again. And um, I just would make a pitch to everybody out there that if you're um, thinking about going out and purchasing 15 pounds chicken wings for uh, 25 of your closest friends, think again. Uh, please try to avoid large gatherings on this uh, one of these, on this uh, 
major national holiday as it has turned out to be, uh, because we, um, if if that is done in a in, a, in in an irresponsible way and people gathering in very large groups for the Super Bowl, uh, you can count on seeing another large spike in cases towards the middle uh, and end of February. And who wants that? So please be careful. Keep your masks on. <coughs> social distance. Get tested if you're ill and uh, avoid gatherings. Even if you have had the vaccine, uh, we cannot let up at this point. Thanks, guys. That that last point about the Super Bowl is is critically telling, doctor. And, you know, we, it's been nearly a year since we've been in this this you know, mode that we're all unhappy. We're all tired, but it's not like we don't know, right? In Western Mass and Berkshire County, we had a pretty good degree of compliance around Memorial Day. It, things continued. We had a pretty good degree of compliance around the 4th of July and progress continued, but we had non-compliance at Halloween. We had non-compliance at Thanksgiving. We had non-compliance during the Christmas and New Year's break. We know what happens when people host large gatherings. It's not like we're guessing anymore. We know that that's when our numbers start to go back up. It's just, it, look, you know, I'm not a huge sports fan. I like the Super Bowl mainly for the commercials. But the reality <laughs> is, with the technology we have available, watch it at your house in your little pod, Zoom, Skype, FaceTime with your friends, you know, your, your fellow fans. It's not worth it. Not at this stage in the game. So thank you for making that point, Doctor. All right. All right. And I will see you shortly for I'll a task force meeting. <laughs> Thank you very <laughs> much. Thanks for coming in again, Doctor. Thanks, You're Doc. You're welcome. All right. We're going to shift gears here really quickly. Um, well, the doctor is leaving the studio. I'm going to gear up, and we have a new guest coming in. Lieutenant Rockabruna is going to join us. But, Lieutenant Traversa, did you, you're not on the, uh, are you, she didn't send this to you. So I sent out my little tickler email yesterday, you know, show, what should the topics be? You got Lieutenant Rockabruna to agree to come in. And after we had already kind of lined up the clock for today, um, my admin, uh, Maggie Gregory Bellotta, Mrs. Gregory Bellotta, responded. And we we probably need to put her on the staff for this show because she's kind of got her finger on the pulse of, of a, a weird set of criteria. So she pointed out a couple things that she wanted me to mention. So number one, and we'll have to get Mark in to talk about this, uh, traffic just finished up a specialized um winter mobilization around impaired driving through the holidays and they put up some pretty good numbers so we got to get mark to come in and talk about that that's grant funded with the stuff from the uh, highway um, traffic safety bureau but the other one that i she hasn't mentioned to me before thank you doctor she didn't mention to me at all apparently uh the the chief's office, our office, the line that she monitors, has been getting a lot of phone calls about one particular thing. And before I talk about this particular complaint that she's addressing, it, like I understand that a lot of people for, who are from the Berkshires, who are from Pittsfield, they have this idea that Berkshire County Police Departments are, are um, you know, Barney and Andy sitting in Mayberry. And I got to tell you, <laughs> you know, the, the Pittsfield Police Department is a, is a small, mid-sized metropolitan police department. So... If I'm in my office, chances are I'm either in a meeting or I'm in the middle of a project. And the phone in that office is, is monitored and answered by a civilian. So if you have police-related questions, calling the chief's office in the middle of the day for police services is just delaying the process. That's why we encourage everybody to call in dispatch, right? Dispatch can route your call to the proper place more quickly. The, the 9717 number is an administrative number answered by a civilian. So 
Apparently, Maggie's been getting a lot of calls and voicemails left on the um, the external office phone about people who are receiving calls on their cell phones and the phones are being marked spam risk or possible junk. And they want to know who to report that to. You don't need to. The reason it says spam risk or possible junk is your cell phone carrier has already identified that number as a potential problem. That's why it's sending you that message. Um, if you're Verizon carrier, you may have call blocker. It may actually send that to a, a separate app before you even see that. But if, if you're not answering the phone and you see that, that's that's what your carrier is trying to tell you. They've already identified that as a problem number and are working with law enforcement. You don't have to do anything. Do you you know I'm I, I get a lot of questions naturally right. being in your comms in, in the no from my family. Oh okay. I'm I'm saying like a lot of questions uh you know regarding you know police law enforcement or whatnot, you know, in it, it's you know, oh we should call the police for that. No, we don't need to call the police. You know, just little things. And, and this is kind of goes along the lines of that. It's just, and we had a, a show, wow, within the last six months, we talked about the, in the generation of 911, all the oh, calls, yeah. you yeah. know, and it's just kind of, it all kind of rolls into that. Well, and, we've and talked about this in the past, and I mean, you don't want to call your family out. I don't have any problem calling my family out, right? I can't count, and it, it still happens. I've been doing this for 25 years. I can't count the number of times that I'll be off duty or it'll be a weekend, and my personal cell phone will ring with a family member, and they're like, I need to tell you, this is happening. Did you call the police? Well, I am calling the police. This is my personal cell phone number. I'm out of state, Right. The, the police is the organization. And, you know, I don't want to be facetious, but in the trade, we call it, we call it playing shop a cop, yeah. right? People get into this habit where they want to talk to the one person they know. That's not the way the system is designed to operate. And historically, we've had problems with that. We've had crimes reported to some of our officers who engage in, in sector-specific policing on their personal cell phone while they were on vacation, and we didn't get the report of the crime for two weeks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Call call the operating numbers. Call dispatch. Call the business numbers. Um, the calls will be more efficiently and quickly routed that way. So the other thing that um, Maggie asked me to mention is just we're getting a lot. Of, we're getting a lot of questions about some of the new changes in the the winter parking stuff, and the winter parking changes were as new to many of us as they were to um, to, to many residents. Right, so. Department of uh, Public Services Highway is responsible for the parking, the winter parking ban. That that's not actually a police function. We support them in a system that's their jurisdiction. Uh, if a driveway is being actively blocked by a car, that's us. Call dispatch. If the driveway has been blocked or replowed in by highway or a contractor, that's public services, uh, and they set up a um, a special line to deal with that this winter. I don't have that number off the top of my head, but you can find it on the city's website. Um, in any case, you know if if you call the if you call Miss Gregory Bellata, she'll transfer you, but she can't help you with that. I think Double D posted something about that yesterday. Yeah. All right, so those are the three things she asked me to mention. Our new guest is with us. Good morning, Lieutenant Rocca Bruna. Morning, Chief. How, How are you? Good, very good. Shift over a little bit. You're off. There you I was go. Trying to, I was trying to social distance a little more. It's okay. Uh, you're still, you're well, well born. well beyond the six yeah. feet. Um, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. <laughs> is this your... <laughs> 
Is this your first time on, on patrol with the PPD? No, no, just just when I was promoted. You, uh, uh, we we corralled you, you then. Asked me to be on. So that's uh, coming up on what seven months now? Just about. It was May. May. All right, so a little more than seven months. How's it going? Good, very good. We should do one of those like social media posts, how it started, how it's going. <laughs> <laughs> the lieutenant had a lot bigger smile when he was newly promoted than uh, he has lately. That's not just because that he's the commander on the midnight shift. It's because now he's a commander. Well, it's a completely different job. I was already at midnight, so you know that's my preferred shift. I like, I like that. That leaves my day um, free. Um, all the kids' activities at night. Um, you know, I can make everything. Um, so that's really what I like. I think it would be would have been a huge transition to be promoted and see you know, some people are stuck at midnight. Right. But at least, you know, that's that's where I like to be. So we just went through the annual shift bid and shift change. How'd your shift shake out? Good. We um, traded a couple sergeants. We got Gary, Har Gary Herland. We lost John Gray. Um, we picked up a couple of new patrolmen. Um, Colin Benner, who's brand new. Um, Officer Straub. Um, oh, and Chris, Chris Coffey as well, who, who he had been on Midnight's um, maybe a year or two ago, probably two years ago. Um, but we're really lucky. It's a, it's a good shift. We have a really nice mix between those really young guys who, um, you know, eager and excited and our older guys are you know really experienced and are good with working with the younger guys you know the Potsies, the dave kirchners um aaron garner steve hunt on the desk steve hunt on the desk is a, is a big deal because he likes the desk and he's good at it you've got some veteran officers on that shift so I, uh, this has nothing to do with what we're here to talk about. So I was listening to uh, 95.9 on the way in here this morning, and uh, they're, Martin Joe and Slater are getting ready for the Super Bowl, so they're playing Slater Bowl. And this morning's contestant was Officer Hunt. We heard about that. Did you hear it? So it was, it was pre-recorded, but Marjo miscounted the questions and was giving Slater credit for a tie when Stevie clearly won. And Stevie was just, like, biding his time patiently. He's like, wait a minute. Can I ask a question? And he had, the, he had the count. And then apparently Straub called in or texted in while they were um, making the announcement to correct her. So I'm guessing that 95.9 is uh, many of our officers' preferred morning news cycle. I was having a conversation with um, uh, one of our coworkers yesterday about Steve and his optimism. <laughs> and the, the comment that was made, and it's so true, is that, you know, if the station was burning down, Steve would say at least it's warm. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. So we're, we're way down a rabbit hole, but are you guys aware of the story that happened this week with Steve's picture no. from the graduation flag? I, I, did, I saw the picture. So it, it, my bride is going to be mad that I'm sharing this publicly. So we've been talking a lot for the last couple of weeks that the Central Berkshire Vaccine Clinic is at Patterson Fieldhouse out of Berkshire Community College. For listeners who are new, um, my, my bride is on the staff out at, on the non-administrative staff out at Berkshire Community College. I walk into one of our operation spaces earlier this week, and Captain Kirchner hands me a, a flyer from BCC about the criminal justice program. <laughs> 
and it had been on a table at the field house. So one of our sergeants picked it up. They picked it up. They're flipping through it and they see a photograph at the back of it. And the issue. So it's a photograph of Officer Steve Hunt, veteran officer who just graduated from the community justice, uh, the criminal justice program. We're very excited and proud of him. And it's a photograph of him with Captain Matt Kirchner. But the problem is it's on the left side of the flap of the brochure. And on the right side of the flap is a lengthy quote about from a criminal justice student who then went on to. Um, Westfield and pre-law whose name is also Steve but it's not Steve Hunt so it's like he graduated several years ago Um, so it caused some confusion and some consternation so I texted a photo of that uh, out to the college and it caused quite the firestorm (laughs) so um, you know hey it is what it is they they weren't specifically linked it just was it was unclear so anyhow um so what's going on on the shift? It's 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 the dead of winter. It's cold as as anything. We talked about that during the weather report. I know that a lot of our listeners probably think that given the time of year and the temperatures that midnight's probably doesn't have a whole lot going on. That's misleading, right? No, we've been we've been busy. Um, luckily last night nothing that entailed staying outside for long periods of time. Um, you know, a night like that you really dread you know, the motor vehicle accident where you're going to be outside for a while. A week or so ago, um, we were at a motor vehicle accident that the fire department had to had to cut. Extricate. Yes. The the driver out. And it was, you know, it's a lengthy process. And if that happened last night, that, you know, it's a big deal for everybody, especially the driver who was in um, a tank, was in just a short sleeve shirt and pants. yeah, we were talking that night. It was probably 25 degrees, so it was definitely bearable in a coat and gloves and everything. But for him, you know, Great. You, you're starting to worry. Um, nothing like that last night. So we, we were busy, but we were, you know, out of the cars, into houses, and it, it was okay. Everything went fairly well as, as planned. But you're right. We've, we have been busy as of late. I don't, I don't think for people who have never worked in public safety that you can appreciate the the added burden and how difficult that that factor is and it was dry last night so you had that going for you um unlike you i hated working midnights i was not good at it i was sick all the time it it, uh i slept all day it just it it took a toll on me but i distinctly remember for the brief periods of time i was on midnights as as a patrol officer and a sergeant looking at the weather report and trying to figure out how because the other part of that is you dress for the weather and then you get a complicated arrest and then you end up inside and you can't cool down. Um, you know, I would, I would come into this time of year and I would just start with a base layer and have like some long underwear or some heat gear on under my uniform and then uniform, um, wind pants or rain pants, maybe a sweater and build out from there. Uh, with the intention that my goal on a night like last night was to be able to get out of my cruiser for an extended period of time without my coat so that if it went more than 30 minutes, I could then put a coat, a different hat, and a heavier set of gloves on because if you were already at the, the top of your outerwear game when you got on that call, there was no way to catch up. It was just brutal. You, you do have to be strategic about it. I wear a lighter coat, and then when I have to throw... A heavier, larger coat on it, but there's nothing to do with your. your it's not like you can put another pair of pants on. 
So you put, you know, long johns on, and then when you're not out in the cold, you're starting to warm up. I, I don't know if you remember. I mean, you, you were always gracious about it because you and I were, you know, both shift mates and friends. But some of the guys on the shift would just rag on me relentlessly because if it was this time of year and it was this cold, I put my rain pants on at the beginning of shift. I, I, if I was going out and I was going to be out there, they went on before I left the station. They stayed on all night. I, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, all winter that's, long. That's a good idea. So, um, you know, because you, you only have to be stuck on perimeter one time, like in the, quite literally. It wasn't nearly as cold as it is right now, but it was the beginning of winter. It was cold. I got stuck behind a bush on a perimeter operation in a rainstorm. That was it. Nope. From then on, wearing the rain pants. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's better to be warm. Yeah. Look a little silly. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So um what are your what are your thoughts or what do you got planned to try to implement with the shift going into twenty twenty one? Any any changes? I don't know about changes. Um like I said, I'm really happy with the way the shift is is set up right now. Um we gave some of the younger guys beats, which they were excited about i shouldn't say younger guys because we have one two four females on the shift um and some of so some of the officers newer officers have are assigned to beats um nothing really really new but especially with the new officers just um I guess pushing along to stay, you know, proactive and do the things that that they're wanting to do. They're you know getting out. They're staying active. Proact um, proactive officers on midnights can they can really turn some unbelievable cases, right? The the opportunity to break stuff wide open by just doing building checks, doing parking lot checks, doing perimeter checks. You, you're going to find stuff that previously was unreported and initiate some quality investigations if you want to and on your shift your officers would have the opportunity to continue to pursue those investigations so um good luck with that thank you <laughs> all right we are overdue for a check of the weather station identification and some psas so let's do that we'll come back and uh talk about some other stuff that's going on with the ppd WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Wind chill advisory in effect until noon EST today. Today, partly sunny. Scattered flurries this morning. Colder with highs around 9 above. Northwest wind 15 to 20 miles per hour with gusts up to 30 miles per hour. Wind chill values as low as 25 below. Tonight, partly cloudy in the evening, then becoming mostly clear. Cold with lows around 2 below. Northwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts up to 25 miles per hour. Wind chill values as low as 18 below. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Hello, my name is Sergeant Mark Madalena with the Pittsfield Police Department. As you know, decisions we make every day can affect us for the rest of our lives. What you may not realize is that you are 23% more likely to be involved in a collision while you are texting and driving. That means texting and driving makes you 23 times more likely to cause a crash. Every day in the United States, nine people are killed and more than a thousand are injured as a result of a crash caused by a distracted driver. Remember, put down the phone and arrive alive. Don't text and drive. This message is brought to you by the Pittsburgh Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. 
Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair, one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink Channel 1303, on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page, and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic. Good morning. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us again for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Just as a reminder, uh, well, if you're listening to us live this morning, Friday, January 29th, you know, you know, this is a live weekly radio and television program. But if you missed us or, you know, you're traveling, you can also follow us on major podcast platforms as uh, the show is archived uh, as a podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. Or, as my friend Brenda does, you can go to the W. Uh, sorry, the PCTV website and find the archived footage of the simulcast so you can watch the video version of this. And however you watch or follow us, we appreciate it. So thanks for joining us. Joined in studio this morning again by Lieutenant Gary Traversa, Cops Bureau Commander, who's working the board, and Lieutenant James Rock Bruna, Midnight Shift Commander, who is uh, kind of giving us an update on how things are going in patrol on the Midnight Shift. Um, I just. I got a notification. I don't know if I got a notification. I saw a post last night that uh, free PSA day with WTBR is coming up again. So we're going to have to corral Darren and Mark and anybody else that's got maybe, a, you know, maybe uh, Sergeant Parisi. Anybody else who's got things that need to be shared on a regular basis to come out here and record some PSAs so we can freshen up the cart. Which we've been saying for months. <laughs> yeah, but now we have no excuse because right. they're going to actually come do it or let us come do it here and they're going to do it for us. So. Uh, there was something else I was thinking about that we need. Oh, we have to ask before we leave. This came up in a conversation yesterday. We recorded the video footage for the virtual station tour as part of the new station project like two and a half, three years ago, but we never overlaid the narration. We gotta finish that. We gotta figure out what we need to. We're out here all the time. There's no reason not to do that project. Huh, I, I, don't, I don't know if I was aware of that. Yeah, it was before Ryan left out here. They, they tagged along and followed us through the entire station, recording video in all of the like dark corners and everything. So we just have to figure out the flow of that and then narrate it. Then we can put that up. Public. Somebody I was talking to yesterday, we had the boiler issues last week. I was going to say we should update with the boiler. Yeah, so we'll talk about that briefly. Um, so <laughs> I was sharing somebody an, up, an update, and they said, you really need to get more people in to see what you're dealing with. I was like, we had this video sitting out there somewhere. They don't even have to come in. We could just put it up on the website. Um, so 
regular listeners, you know, people who are involved in some of our activities with the department, you know, Pittsfield Police Headquarters at 39 Allen is a struggle. It's a struggle. Um, the facility is limiting, the parking is limiting, the technology, you know, it, the building wasn't designed to support technology. Uh, if you've heard me talk about our new station project in the past, when the station was built over 70 years ago, we didn't have any female employees, right? Um, just facilities, locker rooms, all that stuff, it, it, we have to work around it. But the building itself is failing. And so I was getting ready to come into work Monday morning. I was dealing with an issue that was time sensitive and, and was administrative in nature. And as I'm coming in to work, I get a notification from Captain Kirchner that a boiler had failed and we had flooding in the basement. So rewind a couple weeks, it, we had boiler failure. It was cold, not as cold as it is now. There's no heat in the building. We have work orders in. The work orders have been delayed and, and reprioritized and moved down on the list. Now we know we've got cold weather coming. The boilers are offline. We make some phone calls. We send some emails. We get reprioritized. They come in. The city plumbers do what they can. They, they can't do it. They call the contractor. Contractor comes in. The problem isn't what they thought it was. We got water pouring out of the, the main coming into the building. They've got to shut one boiler bank down so they can go in and cut that pipe out and fix it. Then they stand up the other boilers. That one's not right. So this is going on all day. We finally get the water cleaned up. Come to find out the section of the main that failed was immediately adjacent to a section that had been patched a year ago. And instead of repairing the whole section, they just, you know, they cut a piece out and they replaced it. And then the next section failed, right? So in law enforcement, that would be a clue. But as this whole process is going on, we find out that, and I don't know, I think the, I think the part name is a core. We find out that a core to repair one of these boilers has actually been sitting in the corner of the boiler room. And they tell me at the time, that it's been there for like five years. Like when we went through the process, we we're gonna have the boiler replaced, they purchased the core. Well, come to find out, we went through the process and purchased a new boiler three years ago, but that core has been sitting in the corner of that boiler room waiting to be installed in a failing boiler since 1997. That's how long that one was It there? had a tag on it <laughs> that it was pressure tested in 1997. <laughs> that was before I was there. It was my first year on SRT. <laughs> it's like, you can't make it up, right? They ordered the part, put it on a pallet, slid it in the corner. <laughs> and we can laugh about it a little bit. Rock, you got what, 28 years on? 27, 28 years on that? It'll be 27 yeah. later this year. Um, you know, we can laugh about it because we've been dealing with it for our entire careers. But... Like, these boiler failures, they're not new. This used to be a matter of... they. The boilers failed so frequently when we were patrol officers that some of our senior officers would go in and try to fix them themselves. They make the matter... They had to lock the boiler room door to keep some of our senior officers from going in and making it worse. Right? So, um, but when you realize stuff like that... It, we've, we've talked about this in the program in the past. Like, we... We're generalists. Police are generalists. We know a little bit about a lot of stuff and, and maybe a lot about a little bit. But with the exception of one previous employee that's now with another agency, I don't know any of our, our people who are plumbers, right? And we don't pretend to be. So, you know, I don't know how many times I've walked in and out of that boiler room. I don't know what that part was. I don't know that it's been sitting there unused and unallocated for, you know, 25, 24 years. 
Um, but you, when stuff like that happens, you're just like, what the heck were they thinking? And, you know, I get it. We, we put work orders in and we'll find out, well, you know, something happened in the schools and the schools have to take priority. We know where we are in the pecking order. But if you ordered a part and it sat somewhere for 24 years, we got to talk about it. So <laughs> that, yeah. yeah, that one took the cake. Um, so we got, we got about 20 minutes left. Lieutenant Rockabrun, I just realized that um, Lieutenant Traverse and I have been preoccupied for several weeks now with two fairly significant projects that have been dividing our time and splitting our time. And neither of these projects impacted you. So I'm not sure how we're going to fix that. What are we going to make Rock responsible for so he has to share the pain next year? <laughs> the, the inventory. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we're working on the equipment inventory and the annual report. The annual report is due Monday. We were buttoning up the final details on it before I left the office yesterday afternoon. We're probably going to transmit it before the end of the day today, unless this meeting invite I just got derails that plan. Um, but the annual report will be transmitted to the mayor and the city council uh, and as a courtesy to the members of the police advisory review board and posted on our website as i said definitely by monday hopefully today uh and as you can imagine the 2020 annual report looks significantly different than any of the previous annual reports because uh 2020 we spent a lot of time and energy a lot of time and energy in an emergency management role that we're not normally you know we put on our emergency management hats generally for the 4th of July parade, fireworks, and a couple other you know, smaller scale special events. It's very rare for us to be in continuous emergency management for the duration or the majority of a year. So, uh, And still going. And still going. But a lot of stuff that we normally would do didn't happen, and a lot of stuff that we'd never do preoccupied a lot of our time. I was um, doing my, chat, my paragraph on the coordinating center. It was March 19th through June 12th was my full-time assignment to another, which basically meant that you guys took over the department, essentially, right? So um, more to come on that. And then the inventory project. It, it's like a, it's a molehill that became a mountain. It, it's a deep, deep rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> so the way this came about is... Um, the mayor received a request for an, uh, an explanation or a description of what items are purchased with the department's new equipment line item. And while that may seem like a, a, a fairly easy ask, what we found was because of, the, because of the systems that are in place and the different funding sources we use, well, it was pretty easy for me to identify a single item and find the person responsible for that single item and say, how many do we have? Where are they stored? What's the, what's the status or what's the condition? It was more difficult to say, what's everything we have? And the reason for that is different units and different divisions buy stuff at different times in different ways, and they store it in different locations, and they track it differently. So I'll give you a concrete example. Uh, for for reasons that predate you know my time with the department the the acquisition and purchase of new firearms replacement sidearms belongs to the training unit um, training because of the requirement when you provide a new firearm to an officer to immediately provide training on that firearm training is collaterally taken on that process and the issuance of the firearms training 
tracks equipment and inventory in the training module in IMC, which is IMC is our records management system. That's a very useful place for training to get it because it ties it to the person, the issue, the holding officer. But that system is not very user friendly and it's very difficult to export information out of it into a way that can be sorted. So while I can call training and say, I've got a serial number on a firearm, whose is it? They can give it to me like that. It's harder to produce a report. On the other hand, IT purchases laptops, desktops, computers. That's stuff that we consider that needs to be asset tracked because it has, you know, has individual value and could, you know, unfortunately be diverted. So they have, that we created with them, an Excel spreadsheet that just tracks asset tracking stickers like, you know, there's one on here somewhere, um, and sorts them that way. That's held in a completely separate section of SharePoint than, say, what SRT tracks, which they had ready to go at their fingertips, but they weren't in the same location. So what this project has entailed over the last couple weeks is finding all of those disparate inventories and dropping them into one place where we can see everything. And um, Midnight's doesn't own any equipment. And you're not a... You're not senior, well, you're senior, but you're not in command on the team, so you didn't get tasked with that for SRT. No, you did make me nervous, though, because you sent me um, the form, the inventory form, as if I should be filling it out. And so I double-checked him to see who, well, he, he didn't send it to me. He must have sent it to lieutenants. He must have sent it to command staff. It's like, no, he sent this to me. And my head was spinning, like, um... See what should I be putting on here? <laughs> I asked a couple of questions to you know the, the captains. Like, uh, no, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I, I I sent that form a couple different times to a couple different people, and I think the only reason you got an individual one is I didn't put you on the first big group one. Um, there's some of my distribution lists have been properly updated, and some of them still have Decker in there. So depending on which one I hit, it's like oh, I didn't send it to anybody. Um, and honestly, like some of the stuff when I sent it out, some of the stuff I was like, I know this is collaterally assigned to somebody, but I'm not really sure who it's collaterally assigned to. One of the biggest inventories that was completed yesterday uh, was crime scene, right? And crime scene has a lot of stuff. As one of the only departments in Western Mass that runs our own crime lab, they got a lot of gear. Um, but not only do they have a lot of gear, they have a lot of what now you know, we're considering we list as consumables. Like, I've seen all the stuff. I've worked enough crime scenes with them. But it, until you see the list, like, you know, four different sizes of Ziploc baggies, heat sealing envelopes. Um, I don't even know what they call them. Those scale markers that they lay down on the ground to take a picture so that you can f kind of figure out the size of something. They burn through those at an exponential rate. Tape. Um... You know, it, it just was insane. And the other collateral assignment that has a lot of consumables is medical supplies. It didn't, you know, we know how many medical kits we have, but the medical kits have to be restocked. So going back and figuring out tape and gauze and gauze pads and all that other stuff, um, which is, a it's a collateral duty for a patrol officer. So it's not like they can stop what they're doing and just go account for it. So that's been a nightmare. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be happy when that's done, for sure. Well, you and I were talking just about the um, the radios, right? Yeah. So we've got we've got radios that the PPD owns that you're trying to account for, but radios means 
mobiles in the car, portables on the belts or in the chargers, bases either within the communication center or elsewhere. Um, and then the different radios that we have to have for the different units because of different needs, right? So the, the drug unit needs radios that interact with the task force. Right. So it's a separate set of um, unit uh, radios. SRT has particular requirements for their radios and then communications equipment on top of the radios to operate in the way that they do. Um, I know that we, we pulled the plug on the project last year due to funding, but at some point we're going to have to get marine radios that can be assigned to the people, you know, drawn and assigned to the people who are going out to work on the boat. So, and that's not even accounting for the radios we have that we don't own, right? We've right. got Commonwealth-owned radios, uh, MSP-owned radios. So we, uh, we we were in pretty good shape in terms of the spreadsheet for the radios, but as I was going through, I was realizing, I mean, we we have new officers coming in next week, so it's assigning those. We had a couple of changes since that list was updated, you know, in terms of retirements and, and whatnot, and just a few changes I, catching up on. Uh, it was um, a little bit of a lift, and, and also realizing, oh, you know, this wasn't added or that wasn't added, and it's just, yeah. So the other interesting part that came out of this, um, the, the group that asked the mayor to have us go through this process had also received similar inventory from, um, well, not that's not similar, a, a different version of an inventory, just kind of an accounting of equipment in the cruisers, uh, from Williamstown PD. And I'm like, well, Williamstown PD, they probably can inventory their equipment by standing in one closet and looking, right? It's, it's, it's not even apples and oranges. It's like apples and walnut trees, right? There, there's no similarity between how Williamstown is staffed and how we're staffed and how they buy stuff and how we buy stuff. But we took their list and Captain Kirchner started with it. Then he had Sergeant Parisi and Sergeant Madalena refine it. So we're basically looking at when a police car responds to a call, what's in the car? And even that was difficult because there's the baseline equipment that the department provides, but depending on an officer's specialty or special training, they may carry their own gear bag. And I, I was given an example during police advisory review board. It would take me three days to inventory the contents of my cruiser because I've got stuff from when I was an operator, when I was a trainer, you know, command stuff. It, it's mutual aid stuff. So it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a process. But the part that the captain added was what the individual officer is wearing when they get into the car. So, you know, we know the duty belt and or now the outer carrier, the vest, that everybody thinks about that. The one that gave me pause, and I know it, we train with it every year, is a tourniquet, an occlusive chest seal, an Israeli bandage, quick clot gauze, on their person all the time, right? Yep. And we've talked about that briefly on the program in the past, that the but the fact that the world we live and work in now and the best practices from departments that have been through some stuff is that if an officer finds himself in a situation where they're critically wounded, either you know feloniously assaulted or as a result of just an accident, the likelihood that their backup is going to get to them soon enough to make a difference is, is not nearly as good as if they have the ability to render self-aid. And so we've got to push that stuff closer to the front. Um, but fortunately, and this is something I share with PRB, since we started pushing those individual first aid kits, the IFAC kits, to our officers, all of that equipment that's been used has been used on resident patients, 
right? The officers are using their gear to provide treatment to somebody else before EMS arrives. Um, but that in the inventory caused a problem because we realized we're not, we're not resupplying the gear, right? The stuff is being used and, you know, technically a tourniquet is reusable, but if we put it on somebody, the hospital's cutting it off. We're not getting it back. So making sure that that stuff's getting reordered and resupplied so we don't run out and find ourselves with an empty shelf. So all kinds of learning opportunities going on here. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to assign Lieutenant Rockabruna like the neighborhood watch chapter of next year's annual report. That one's old and out of date. He'll have to refresh it. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chief. <laughs> or maybe the honor guard part. We need some new pictures. Thank, thank you. May I have another? Half the, half, the people in the, half the people in the honor guard pictures have been retired since I was, became the chief. All right. So we got a few minutes left. Lieutenant Traversa, what else should we talk about before I get to a couple weekend activity things here? Um, oh, geez, you have me stumped. Um, as far as what's going on, you know, just we're, uh, I know I'm starting to, get a little bit of uh traction with with catching up on training we've had a lot of training stuff going on oh obviously the the uh, uh virtual mpi stuff but you know we, we've had um uh you know some some different we had a surprise this week with Sejus and you know things like that <laughs> yeah we did <laughs> um have you done your mpi blocks no have you no. done your mpi blocks um Yes, yes. Midnight's took care of some of that. So Wednesday was my training day. Um, leave it to me, right? I knew it was my training day, but, you know, yeah, I acknowledged the email. I signed off on it whenever I got it, six weeks ago, whatever. I didn't go back in and reopen the appointment. I spent about six hours um, and managed to cover three blocks of instruction, found out at the end of the day that two of the three blocks I covered were the wrong blocks. So now I got to go back in and make up the ones that I missed. I'll be ahead of time for the next rotation, but yeah, I spent two thirds of my time on on training blocks that were not listed in this uh, this rotation's roster. So I was just, I was just happy I got the sieges thing done this week. <laughs> that was we talked about that the that was brutal. Yeah, yeah it was it was uh, unexpected and um, it, it was like a throwback. Without getting into any deep, so we had, we had to go through a CGIS recertification process this week, and that's something that we routinely have to do. But back in the day, you guys remember when you had to like log on to the terminal and do the test on the terminal and like literally send an administrative message or, or do a warrant locate or something? That's, that's like all I remember. That's the problem. That's what I expected. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go do the CGIS recertification. I'm going to have to do some administrative tests. This whole thing was a cybersecurity test, it was yeah. crazy. I don't need to know that, right? If I log into Sieges or DeSieges from my desktop, I'm counting on the fact that DeSieges secured that that link. I don't need to know how they secured that link, right? But yeah. some of the stuff, some of the stuff was important, particularly some of the stuff around social engineering, right? Uh, that that came up. That actually came up in a in a officer safety thread this week, right? The importance of closing your MDT when you're away from your car. Yeah, right. right? Just simple things like that. Yeah. So. It's uh. All right, plans for the weekend, Lieutenant Traversa. Just staying warm, right? Uh, you know, as I, I mentioned during a break, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, 
On the other hand, Lieutenant Rockabrun will be out there setting the example, setting the stage, doing some type of outdoor recreational activity. The, the weekends are pretty much devoted to chasing the kids around. Um, Who are also very busy with sports and activities. Skiing. So Joey's on the ski team at Bosque's. That, you know, it's an outdoor activity. That hasn't, it's been effective. Um, like ski races are, they cut down the number of kids. They can't go inside the building. So on a cold weekend like this, it'll be more difficult. But, you know, they're, they're out there. Um, yeah, chasing the, chasing the kids around. Nice. I am going to uh, do the best that I can, like you, Lieutenant, to manage to stay inside. But I do have some uh, jujitsu training tonight and tomorrow. So hopefully get in the dojo and get some reps in. Um, we realized last night the temperature was starting to drop when I got into class last night. And uh, the school that I train at, uh, those buildings are built on slabs. You get close to the outer walls of those buildings; those mats are cold and yeah. hard. It's uh, there's there's the only way to warm the mats up is by rolling on them, and we can't roll live. So you you try to get into a a little pod on the mat away from the outer wall and the windows. Yeah, all right, even for us, this is a challenge. Yeah, right. Us, you know, cold-blooded northeasterners. It's brutal. All right, so in keeping with my promise to Ms. Glockner from the Lichtenstein Center, let's look at what's going on in the Cultural Pittsfield newsletter. Arrowhead has had a ton going on uh, as we go in, as we come into the cold months. They're, they're really stepping it up. So tonight at 4, this afternoon at 4, virtual tour of the architecture at Arrowhead. Go check that out. Uh, and if it gets warm enough, you know, go check out their grounds. The, I saw this announced the other day. This is going to be pretty cool. Um, tomorrow at 7 p.m., local band Whiskey Treaty Roadshow is going to live stream a benefit concert to benefit the Berkshire Community Action Council. The way they managed to pull this together is pretty awesome. So uh, if you're a fan of Whiskey Treaty Roadshow, go check out the performance being live streamed from the Stationery Factory and uh, support BCAC. Berkshire Ollie's got a lecture going on next week. Um, healthcare does not equal health. So, again, if you don't subscribe to the Cultural Pittsfield newsletter, do that. They'll send this right to your inbox. There's a ton of stuff uh, to, to look at and do. We've got downtown events starting up uh, 10 by 10 and word by word are, are in the near future. So don't, don't withdraw. Don't pull away from the stuff that we have available to us in this community. And with the, you know, 50 seconds that we have left you've heard this message from this show since the beginning of the pandemic be socially responsible do the right thing socially distance wear your mask wash your hands frequently sanitize if you can't wash your hands avoid large group gatherings or you know the vaccines are coming we're we've got great infrastructure for the vaccine clinic we're gonna get there but again we may not all be in the same boat, but we are all in the same storm, and we have to weather this together. So do the right thing. Uh, be kind to your, be, you. Know, look out for your neighbors. Be kind. And until next week, thanks for tuning in to On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, simulcast on Pittsburgh Community Television.